0: Hello everyone and welcome back to MVGB,
1: the monthly video game briefing where we get a roundup of all of the important news in the world of gaming for the month and serve it to an audience that is maybe not super hardcore gamer, maybe just uh, occasional gamers that want to stay informed about what's happening in that wonderful world of video games. We do that, we cover the games that are going to be coming out in the next month and the news that have been making the news in the previous month. Uh, my name is Patrick Beja, and as always, I am joined by the wonderful, the, the, the most amazing Utah in uh, America, Scott Johnson. How's it going?
0: Scott? Hey, <laughs> I think we prefer Utah, but I don't actually know anymore what mm. we like to call ourselves here. I think Utah is the currently thing, current thing because Utah is, is, it sounds like you're it sounds a different. Syrup. Maybe, yeah. maybe,
1: maybe, maybe Utah is different. Uh, you know, maybe it maybe it means something different. Maybe it's a podcaster of Utah, and yeah, that sounds like you know, an
0: old, it sounds like an ancient Mayan um, uh, torture device, or
1: something. <laughs> and, which would fit with your personality as well. Um, sure, why not? Hey. Let's talk about the games that are going to be coming out in March and inform the people who are listening to this who might not know what all of these games are. Maybe they're thinking, I have a family member's birthday coming out, and uh, I would like to buy them a game, but I'm not sure what I should buy. Uh, let's listen to all of this, and you will know after that which one to choose, hopefully, somehow. Um, let's talk about Devil May Cry, The Division 2. Uh, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice Tropico 6 and Yoshi's Crafted World and we'll also talk about uh, Anthem a little bit we'll then go into the crazy rumors about about Microsoft bringing the Xbox to the Nintendo Switch and uh, another big news item from last month the Activision Blizzard layoffs which we've already talked about a lot but we'll talk about again hopefully one last time uh first the games of the month of March. Uh on the eighth, Devil May Cry five is releasing. Scott Johnson, what mm. is Devil May Cry, I ask you? What is
0: this series? Well, I played this is this is bad probably for people who want good information about Devil May Cry, but I played the first game way back in the day uh when I heard it was made. it was being made and I knew it was like they weren't the same people as the Resident Evil people but I knew that they were you know I knew it was Capcom at the time and so I knew there was like some connection there and so in my mind it was going to be this cool new thing that that was from the Resident Evil people and I was super into that back then and it just wasn't that so I never really got into it and never played Mm. the rest of them even the, the critically acclaimed recent one which I've been tempted to grab yeah, uh, DMC Devil it. May Cry. Yeah, DMC, um, which was supposed to be very good, and I I never picked it up. But it, you know, action, uh, hack and slash sort of uh, adventure game uh, that's that's well loved for the most part. A couple of couple of strange entries in the series, but yeah,
1: yeah, it's a very gameplay heavy Japanese uh, series. Which you're right, I think started in the early prototype stages as a sequel to. Uh, Resident Evil and of course in, evolved into something entirely different but mm-hmm. it is a very action focused game uh, relies on things like comboing different uh, abilities and the 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 type of game that maybe you don't uh, enjoy so much if you are a more I would say it's not necessarily a game for um, casual players because it requires some level of technical excellence and the joy of it comes from uh, mastering the different abilities. It's not very narrative focused or maybe in the sense that those crazy Japanese games get convoluted when you have uh, five or six games in a series with fantastical elements of demons and swords and guns and the main character there are three that you play this time but they all have some variations on well actually there are different play styles but usually it's you have uh, a couple of guns and a sword and you make combinations between the actions of all of those so it's that kind of game i think if you uh if you will enjoy that kind of game, you already know by this description that you will, and if you think yeah, that might not be for me, then it probably actually isn't so I wouldn't encourage you to to get it um if you are not the kind of person that is attracted by that uh yeah just to keep
0: in mind too uh, and patrick's been alluding to this this entire time, but it's a very very Japanese anime-ish sort of approach. Mm. Although I don't know, I always hear that DMC uh, was more well DMC, which was one of the entries
1: in the series, was made, I believe, by the uh, American team, so that's why it was very different.
0: Yeah, it felt like a much more westernized story, but it also it still had its tropes and its and its uh, you know its its underpinnings of sort of anime Japanese of course, drama. Of uh, you're you're likely to have a big return to that here, and and that's great it, for those who love that. It's going to be happy day for you but i for people who are maybe new to the series just know that going in <laughs> that you're going to get a lot yeah, of sure. over the top you know this very anime sort of approach to, yes. to a video. giant demons and stuff like that so that comes
1: yeah. out on the 8th uh in just a few days i might get it just to uh i've never really gotten into devilman cry and and that might be an entry in the series but we'll see uh, on the 15th we have something a lot more american um rogue agents protecting democracy, essentially, in uh, Washington. This mm. is uh, The Division 2, Tom Clancy, a Tom Clancy game. So already the name Tom Clancy gives you a vibe for what kind of game it is. It is kind of a post-apocalyptic, open-world, um, multiplayer shooter type of game. And you are in the ruins of Washington after a plague has devastated the country and uh you have various missions to play, and uh you team up with your friends if you want to uh It is in those types of games like uh Destiny or anthem that are very popular at the moment uh game as a service the Division one came out I think a couple of years ago three years ago, and it was uh beloved for some of the uh, its qualities, but also um I think some of the design elements of the game were problematic. And by everything I've heard, it seems the division two is kind of addressing um, most of those issues. And it is a much more polished and finished product, which people seem to recommend. So if you think that's your thing and you're not the kind of person that waits for reviews, (laughs) or at least, Keep an eye on it because it seems like it might be a, a, an interesting game. However, for most people who play it, be aware that it is a, a gigantic time investment. Uh, these kinds of games really open up when you reach the maximum level you can reach and they give you a lot of things to do for a long time. So it can be your main game for a long time, but it's usually the quality, the value of it comes from the fact that you're going to keep playing it. Um, yeah, it's a
0: it's meant to be a thing that's sort of in your life for a long time and that you keep playing. I played a lot of the Division one. I'm happy to say that the v- Division one in its current state is actually extremely awesome. Uh, they they me. they really refine that thing. And to know that they'll hit the ground kind of running with a lot of those fixes, plus um, just sort kind of some new approaches to some of the gameplay tweaks that, that needed in this new one is very exciting. I actually played the first beta weekend, whatever that was a couple of weeks ago week week and a half ago, whatever it was, um, for the division two. And it's uh it's great. I really liked it. I'm very excited about it. In fact, we'll talk later about why I actually think this is the it this is the the one of those to play over Anthem. And I would have I would have thought and perhaps hoped before all this that Anthem was the one to beat them all. And uh I, I've changed my tune. I actually think Division Two yeah going to be the one for a lot of these players that are looking for that itch or to scratch and that itch I
1: guess that was unexpected. we're going to talk about the Anthem in a little bit as you said but uh, everyone was looking at the the schedule and seeing Anthem big EA uh Bioware game that came out a few a couple a couple of weeks ago a week uh, ago and the Division 2 coming out three weeks later and everyone was thinking oof that doesn't sound good for the Division 2 uh because it's going to be overshadowed by the success of Anthem turns out mm. maybe not um but there is actually a an open beta weekend for the Division 2 uh, coming up this uh the 1st of March so if you're listening to this um as soon as it's released you might take part in the uh Division 2 open beta on all of the platforms it will be available on so go check that out the Division 2 comes out on the 15th um on the 17th it's not quite a game but it's extremely important as well uh St. Patrick's Day uh my name is Patrick if you had forgotten so don't forget about that one uh
0: yeah i'll celebrate saint patrick's day with patrick in mind please yes please please do please, please do so unless
1: you're celebrating in ways that are uncomfortable in which case just think about the irish <laughs> um, on the 22nd a very notable game is coming out and probably the most expected game for many people out of this month uh, sekiro shadows die twice is a game from from software that has uh, risen to worldwide acclaim for their Souls series. So you had um, uh, uh, Demon Souls initially, and then Dark Souls, and the last entry in the series is called Bloodborne. Um, there there are a lot of licensing uh, questions around these names and and um, and series, so I'm not going to get into that. But they are usually regarded as a return to the truly demanding type of game which will ask of you to truly invest yourself in uh, the gameplay to learn it and master it. it. Usually, a lot of the games that we have nowadays are kind of hand And, of course, because they try to be less frustrating and more enjoyable, and for me, that usually works, these games are a lot more demanding and will be very punishing if you're not paying attention. And uh, this is the latest entry in the series. It seems a lot more... Action-focused, you play a ninja in medieval Japan, always with the, um, the 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 From Software spin, which is a lot of blood and a lot of demons. But uh, mm-hmm. it seems like it's a little bit more action, a little bit more fluid maybe than the Souls series. Um, I'm still not sure if it's going to be something for me though. I know that, Scott, you're also not a fan of the Souls series, what do you think about the upcoming Sekiro?
0: Um, yeah, it's an issue. I have a relationship with the Soul series that's complicated because I really admire what it is. I just, I feel like I just don't have time to to battle it. You know what I mean? Mm. Like there's something about I don't know what this says about me at the stage of my life in gaming or something, but I I like things that are accessible. I can get in, I can find the loop, and I can enjoy that. And these games. Are adamantly opposed to you getting used to it. You know they want you to fight against it and and conquer it, and that's an awesome thing. And I feel like if you would have presented this game to me in my late teens or something, I would have been I would have been thrilled. So I'm I'm kind of a wait and see on this one. I think the approach to this one artistically is so much different than the Souls games. The Souls games are so dark, dark, dark fantasy. Mm -hmm. So you know, just uh, just a kind of a a a definite tone that they were always meant to to sort of be in that dark place this has more color this has more action this has more speed and traversal there's a grappling hook and, and torches and, and things that just bring light to the world uh so that alone has me perhaps my interest is a little bit more piqued because it just feels different um but i want i need to hear from people of action who play it and say oh yeah this is like souls but you know set in a different uh era or set you know whatever Uh, because i you know if it's that again i probably won't Mm. get into it i'll admire it from afar and i'll watch some people i like stream it and be impressed with their skills and 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 that'll be that game for me but um but who knows it may pop out and be more broad-based i don't know
1: it might be but i think it's a safe bet to think if you're not uh uh it's probably not for most people who listen to this show uh with the aim of getting info from afar. It, it, it's a game that you will like
0: if you're already a pretty serious gamer, I think. I agree. This is for hardcores, folks. Mm. I think that's the but that's that's what these guys make. That's yeah. all they do. You know, these guys never stop and go, you know, we're gonna make a fun little cartoony side scroller today. <laughs> you know? Which in Nothing turn,
1: if you're, if you're looking for a game for someone who's a serious gamer, I think they will be happy to get this game, even if it's not necessarily something they would uh, uh, enjoy a lot, because it is a- an event in the gaming industry when one of those games comes out, and maybe mm-hmm. they don't, they're not certain enough to buy it themselves, but they would be happy to get it for as a present for free and to try it out. So maybe if you have someone like that in, in your life, that, uh, that would work. Yep. Uh, on the 29th, we have Tropico 6 and Yoshi's Crafted World that come out. The first, they, they are on the opposite ends of what a game can be. Tropico 6 is a um, a, a strategy game about managing a banana republic. The series is highly regarded in those circles. Not of banana republics, but of strategy (laughs) games. And uh, Yoshi's Crafted World is a super cute, super fun, um, uh, super easy, relatively easy, uh, side-scrolling game for the Nintendo Switch that is probably appropriate for younger children in uh in in the gaming
0: space i would say that's true but also like all nintendo games this should delight everybody like i i fully expect to feel like a kid when i play it but i'm totally gonna play that game and i'm gonna probably love it uh nintendo as far as i'm concerned i don't care how cute they get they, they're still sort of making it for me um gameplay wise they just always seem to know exactly what i'm hungry for and I think that game looks looks really great. On the Tropico front, um, it's also it's important to mention this. I think if you're if you're one of those gamers that were like huge in the '90s and you played a lot of PC games or something, and you really got into something like SimCity, for example, uh, that may be of interest to you because if you've missed the 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 whole Tropico thing, it's basically a SimCity-style city builder with a lot of sort of political angles to it so mm. you still have the basic like well we need to have housing we need to have government services we need to have water we need to have electricity like all the things you would do in a sim city style game are there but, but also you have that,
1: disinformation just- on twitter to uh make yes. sure that the opposition doesn't i mean i don't think exactly. they include social media there maybe they do but that's oh uh, they
0: might in six it. who knows because yeah. these usually have been these usually been set in like previous time eras like mm. I can't remember which one four or five was like in the 50s or something um so so you may i don't know if this one I, I should look it up but it may be a little more more of a modern setting but regardless it's fun to have that layer of propaganda you have to think about investing secret in that.
1: police and these guys
0: yes, all that kind of stuff and it's and it and if that sounds to some of you like ugh, this is, world's already a little too political right now for me to want to add another layer into it it's definitely a different kind of politics it's a uh, it kind of lets you be. How do I put this? You can kind of be a dictator and a super big jerk if you want, but you can also kind of serve your people better from a position of dictatorship. It's hard to explain, but you know, like a benevolent king versus a malevolent one, right? um It, it does give you these kind of options to play the game how you want to, and and that includes what your, you know, your your overall feeling for your people are, and if you want to actually see them thrive, or if you want to oppress them, or. Or whatever and it's a also a very beautiful game, just a gorgeous uh and has been since its first iteration I think just a beautiful city builder set in these tropical places and islands and you know amazing scenery it's uh I think it's a cool game, I'm very much looking forward to it. I always get these, and i'll I'll probably end up with six as well.
1: So there you go, that comes out on the 29th, it's called Tropical and it's uh, number 6. And uh, that's about it for the games coming out in uh, March. We do want to talk a little bit about the big game of uh, February, and that's Anthem. Uh, as we alluded to earlier, it is a, a very uh, multiplayer-focused shooter looter so you kind of uh shoot your way through enemies and then get uh awesome items that you equip to make yourself more powerful and uh get bigger enemies to destroy and that is a common uh, uh genre in the gaming space uh this is was a big bet by uh ea and bioware uh both big companies that are very highly regarded Without going into all of the details, um, I think the general vibe has been that people are disappointed by the game. The the, the one defining quality is that you actually play uh, pilots of exosuits, which very much look like Iron Man, and mm-hmm. you fly around and shoot stuff. And um, while some people are enjoying it and... More power to you, I'm very happy that you like the game. I think most people yourself and myself included are a bit let down by the the game. um Can you tell us we're not going to spend too much time on it, but in a few words, why is that
0: well oh man it's It's a complicated mess uh currently, and it's it's ironic that it's happening under the the simultaneous enormous and sudden success of Apex legends on the same platform. Mm-hmm. Or from the same publisher. Um, I say platform because I I subscribed to that. That the reason that how I got Anthem was I subscribed to the uh Origin service on PC which gave me the game a week early and you know a lot of other stuff. Um, it was also a way for me to try this out for 15 bucks for the first month and if I wasn't happy with any of this I can just cancel it and I'm, you know, not paying the full 60 for a game like this. Uh anyway, the short of it is it launched for those people, for those early access folks, it launched very buggy and kind of broken for a lot of people um that was not expected uh there was a, a, a lot of response. Well, it was half expected but yeah sort of but those guys kept saying their, their response was hey don't worry because on on the release day uh that friday we're going to have a day one patch that's going to solve all your problems and that just rang super weird to me like well then why are you giving why are you having this early version like what are you doing like i so very right, okay choice. i I didn't think you were going to go there but I
1: will explain what what this means. Uh the game's official release date was uh February 22nd and people yeah. who subscribed to EA's subscription service got it a week early. Except as yeah. you said, it was still waiting for its day one patch which was the release date of the 22nd, but it's its faithful customers uh got it early but broken, which is weird and a weird way of doing it but
0: yeah, yeah that's that's yeah. a good way you've, you've you've done it you've summed it up well and it was that was funky but whatever on the merits of the game even after the day one patch load times are horrendous uh the actual gameplay loop is okay it's fun it's got some fun guns flying is a dr- is a dream in that game i think graphically it's beautiful but for a bioware game the story is ringing super hollow the further i get the more i'm like really that's dumb or why really this is bioware um they 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 dress it up in some rpg tropes that you're like ooh bioware i can smell bioware right around the corner and then you play for a bit and go oh they really just kind of threw that together that's not great yeah it feels very
1: um, artificial
0: I, yeah a lot of it just feels like a a hollow experience right now that I think has the potential to get really filled out and, and, and taken to some rad places. I think that these games often go through a rough launch. Um, you know, people, it's easy for them to forget that Destiny 1 had kind of a rough time story-wise in the beginning, is very obtuse, very strange story that nobody oh, quite Oh, no, no
1: one has forgotten that. It was legendary. Yeah,
0: I would certainly hope not. But, mm. but yeah, as time, is, as time goes on, I think they have a chance to make something kind of special out of this but they are going to really have to show us uh, mm. how awesome they can be because this feels like a very undercooked, not finished um, game. And, and it and it just brings like every, you know, all the stereotypes you have about electronic arts and early releases, this, it just came all flooding back. Um, and again, yeah. it's only really lessened. I think the pain of it is lessened a little bit by uh, Apex being such a awesome launched polished product that is taking over the the battle royale scene in a major way and and you know they can they can rely on that a little bit now to get other stuff done but i I'm really bummed with anthem i just yeah. i wanted it so much more than it is
1: I really wanted to like it as well and I agree with you it is undercooked it it. I mean we should remind people that it's been in development for seven years or at least the early stages started in 2012 so it's also difficult to blame EA for wanting to release something after seven years of development um, but still the game feels unfinished the flying mechanic is incredible it feels really good But the problem, and a lot of people compare it to Destiny, I think the difference is the flying mechanic is not the core of the game. Um, In Destiny, there was one thing that worked, and that was the shooting, and it felt really good. But the shooting is the core of the game. In Anthem, the flying is part of what you do most of the time. But I would argue even a bigger part is the shooting, and that feels just okay. Um, there's also a ton of the questionable design decisions that are easily fixable, but that are a little bit baffling to me. Um, the 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 variety in activities. I might have mentioned this in the previous episode is disappointing you you always feel like you're doing the same thing um whereas in other games including destiny when it first launched um it felt like it was dressed up enough that it wasn't as repetitive um and a ton of other issues like this which make the game overall um disappointing and i, I couldn't again the people who like it i'm super happy for you but i can't really recommend it uh if you're not sure so oh, especially especially at the support.
0: price like the only way i would actually recommend this is maybe if you're a pc player maybe give a month uh, uh do a month of the origin service because you know there's also a lot of other stuff to to like about that it's actually right. a pretty cool service. for 15 bucks a month you get access to a ton of games great games from and not just da games but some third-party stuff that that you probably would be surprised that they have over there um and you can play anthem right out of the box there's no uh, no extra money to pay and so at the end of that month if you're like yeah it's not working for me you're only out the 15 like i i actually still think that's a a great way to get a taste for this and decide whether it's for you or not but um yeah on the whole there's there's it's just missing a big there's a big gaping space in that game mm. that needs to be filled and i don't know what it is exactly but i really hope that they're serious about their commitment they say they are and maybe some of the Apex money will help hoister that up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's going to need... I don't think it's going to be ready in a year. I don't think we're going to see a uh, Destiny 1 situation where the expansion that came out a year later, The Taken King, made it a really good game. I think this mm-hmm. is way more undercooked. It has way deeper design issues that need a couple of years to fix, but we'll see. Um All right. An, uh, another, well, one of the big pieces of news, probably one of the most important pieces of news for the gaming industry that I've heard in years um, is that rumor that has been confirmed by many different uh, sources and by a couple of journalists that I respect and usually gets the stuff right um, is the news that Microsoft is preparing an Xbox app and Game Pass on top of... Uh, individual games for the Nintendo Switch. So individual games uh, are already surprising because obviously in the gaming industry, console manufacturers value their exclusives and they try Mm -hmm. to keep them on their own consoles in order to attract gamers uh, that will then buy many more games on which they get a, a healthy commission. This means that Microsoft would be publishing some of its exclusive games it produced as a uh, first-party developers... Uh, they, they would be putting them on the Nintendo Switch, games like Cuphead, uh, Ori and the Blind Forest, and possibly other games, bigger franchises that are temple franchises for the Xbox. But that is only part of it. The bigger part is, as I mentioned, the Xbox and Game Pass app uh, that would work through the xCloud streaming service would be av- available on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, it would also be available on a multitude of platforms, uh, mostly mobile uh, will come to mind, but the Nintendo Switch is the uh, one that, that s- strikes us the most because obviously it would mean all Game Pass games through the streaming service, so it's not the the fastest reaction time games might not be perfect, but a vast majority of the games, if you have the right internet connection, would be playable on the Nintendo Switch. Essentially, what Microsoft would be doing, and we'll hear more about this in the coming months and at E3 probably, um, what Microsoft would be doing is uh, digitizing, dematerializing the Xbox and transforming it into a virtual thing that can be on any device, including another console. That is unheard of in this industry. Um but I I guess you can tell that I'm uh excited. What do you think, Scott?
0: I'm very excited. I think it has all kinds of potential and it does feel like a I mean, it's a big shift in, in what we think of as Microsoft's role in the in the games business. Um console exclusivity seemed to always be the the you know, the call of the day, and that's what everybody did and they all fought for. Certainly Sony's still in that boat very much so. Um but this, what this feels like, and I don't mean this in a negative way because it's going to sound like one, but it does feel like Microsoft shifting from Sega in the 90s to Sega in the 2000s. Um, you know, Sega, a big player in the console market, uh, was all about exclusivity back in the day, eventually gave all of that up after the Dreamcast and started just being a developer and publisher of games. And I'm not saying that's where Microsoft's going entirely, but it does make me wonder a little bit if they're going to care less in the future about their box and xbox and as a brand is more about microsoft games published games and relationship established games they may have with other parties Mm. just being put everywhere they can put them i i I, I wonder if that's part of this because the switch at the end of the day is just another console cycle for nintendo like this this is you know, it, they very well could make their next console could be another Wii to Wii U mistake. We don't know. Like, I don't think that Microsoft would bet their future on what someone else is doing. I think what they're doing is betting their future that there will always be platforms, whether they be tablets or phones or other consoles or whatever. And they're starting to get around to this Sachin Adela sort of idea that now permeates Microsoft. Let's get our stuff as as many places as we can. And I think that's part yeah, of this. I really that,
1: do. Absolutely. That is the driving factor. It's more than part of it. It's the reason why. Um, where I would take exception with your comparison to Sega, and I know a lot of people are, are making that uh, parallel, I think it's not... Entirely accurate because Sega was indeed going from a console manufacturer to a publisher. And those were two things that already existed. I think what Microsoft is doing is going from a physical console manufacturer to a virtual console manufacturer kind of um, which expresses itself in different ways they are still going to be putting out consoles they're still going to be putting out hardware um, two consoles actually have been rumored for the next generation one a little bit less powerful one a little bit more powerful on the xbox one s xbox one x model that exists today um, but they, they're not they, they have they are looking at the future. And just as, uh, five years ago, what Microsoft wanted was to sell you Windows, a copy of Windows for 150 bucks. Uh, and we look at this today and think this model is antiquated. Um, we are looking, I think we might in five years look at the console manufacturer model who want to sell you a, uh, 250 bucks, uh, device, physical device as, Not the, the principal way in which you do business. Microsoft is looking at this and saying our platform is still going to be existing. It's still going to be an ecosystem that you have to buy into if you are a game developer. Um, but we don't express this through uh, express it through one console you have to buy and put in your home. It's a service that anyone can get, just like Netflix. Um, but it still means people have to subscribe to it and the games that are included in it are get it into that uh, ecosystem. Well, you have to subscribe to it. Maybe you don't necessarily have to. Um, You can just buy the game on Xbox and you use that Xbox uh, service on any device. Um, So to me, it's not equivalent to becoming a publisher. It's something new. It's making the console manufacturing of the internet age, which means it's just not physical. It's a platform that is, uh, you know, a piece of software instead of a – think of it like the App Store or um, the – the I don't know. Uh, we talked about Netflix or the Amazon um, uh, Video. You can get Amazon Video on a ton of stuff, but Amazon is still producing and buying a ton of uh, shows, right? So I think this is the switch that's happening, not – microsoft becoming just a publisher of games that will be available anywhere is they're going to be available on the xbox I service? A, yeah.
0: yeah i completely agree with you i think that that's this is the only reason this is sort of like that is because it's a transition that seems crazy on its face like it seems like yeah. opposite of what the company used to do but this is a much more forward-thinking move this is like um you know people that invested in record stores in the eighties and nineties and early two thousands, only to see the music business completely uh, alter and everybody going digital. Like it's, we're kind of heading toward that with consoles. I really truly believe that. Mm. And it's going to be a less about your exclusive box and more about your exclusive games for your exclusive service. Um, And so Yeah. Microsoft getting out ahead of this might prove to be the smartest thing they've ever done. Yeah. Um, And it it might be
1: a bust. We don't know. Maybe we're going to look back on in five years and think, yeah, we're still buying boxes and it's still all the same. But uh,
0: yeah. 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 It's going to be really fascinating. So I would for those even even casual gamers who listen to this show, because that's who you are as a casual gamer approaching this stuff. This is a this is going to be one of the fun stories to follow over the next Three, four years. Like, this is going to be kind of the pivotal thing, I think.
1: Oh, yeah. It's industry <laughs> defining. It's, uh, it's yeah. like very few things we've seen before. Uh, yeah. Google is, by the way, apparently announcing not just their own streaming service, which might be comparable to Microsoft, uh, uh offerings, but also apparently some gaming hardware, maybe some, uh, controllers because what really matters in these cases is controllers you need to have a good controller otherwise you can't do anything um but that might come on march 19 uh they have a conference at gdc which i believe is going to be on that date so we'll see more of that then but it's very comparable
0: i'm guessing yeah really, sony quick, is going quick to be note here i think this is going to be gigantic because i think some. i think uh google is aiming to do exactly the thing we're just describing with microsoft Mm -hmm. and i think any hardware they release will be like small streamable boxes inexpensive easy to get into but the big sell is the infrastructure that they've got in place now to handle uh a future of 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 streamable games downloadable games whatever format they come in i think this could be earth shattering if 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 google's really truly 100 percent behind this Again, could be a bust, but it also explains to me why Microsoft's in such a rush to do it as well. I think they know the writings on the wall mm. and somebody, you know, one of the big tech companies is going to own this. And if you put them up there, it's Microsoft, it's Apple, it's Google, and it's, you know, that's it. And Sony looks woefully behind it if you're looking at that from just this perspective. Like suddenly you're like, oh my gosh, Sony, what are you doing? you yeah. just going to make a PS5 and just hope everybody buys discs? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty
1: sure they have their own PlayStation Now, which is a streaming service, which they could also, actually, it's playable on uh, PC. You could today be playing the PlayStation games that are available on PlayStation Now, but it's kind of second. Uh, rate offering where the latest games aren't available and of course they're protecting their existing business model the big question and the big innovators dilemma um that is going to be asked for sony this next generation coming probably in 2020 is have they gone into it thinking we need to protect what is currently working or have they been forward thinking enough to uh prepared because if they wake up today it's probably going to be too late to own the beginning of the uh, next generation um mm-hmm. but if they have been preparing for it and thinking ps4 was so successful we can't ch- uh, uh, take that away but we have the we're lucky enough in this industry that we have resets every so often maybe for the last time by the way if those um services streaming services really take off but we have a reset that's coming so maybe we can do things a different way at that point but uh they have to have prepared this because you can't ramp up your server um you know infrastructure and technology it takes a couple of years at least and they would need Mm. that for their service to work well yeah i agree oh and you
0: amazon could also do that but Maybe that's what they're going to do. Yeah, don't count them out. And they've got all kinds of gamey things happening that they've been working on for years, no one knows about. Like, there's, there's you know, maybe that's that's (laughs) what
1: Sony is doing. Maybe they're thinking, you know, PlayStation now works well enough, but if we want to make this our you know like half of our offering like again Microsoft might be selling uh, consoles which you can actually download the game and play it locally and run it locally on Um, and and then a streaming service if Sony is thinking that they might want to partner with Amazon who hasn't been very successful in the gaming business and who's looking to get a uh, a foot in that door that that could work I, I think that might be one of my crazy predictions for this or next year. Just yeah, it's, mark
0: it it's down. Gonna get, it's going to get real interesting, real fast, <laughs> yeah. I think. The C3, which you and I will, of course, cover, I expect some st- strange stuff. Strange With Sony things. not even being there, I expect mm-hmm. it to be even stranger. We'll see. All right.
1: Last bit of news that we cannot not ca- cover um, because it's been making a lot of noise uh, for the past month is something we've talked about at length, I think, about five times already in our various shows. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of uh, a little bit tired of talking about it, but it's still very important news and I think it would be doing a disservice to the, this audience to not talk about it. So uh, we're going to, to, to do it in a more concise manner, I think. Uh, we talked about it for an hour and a half on the instance a couple of weeks ago. Activision Blizzard has laid off, uh, is laying off, in the process of laying off, 8% of its uh, staff Uh, while having made record profits and uh, revenue for last year. Um, This is about 800 people. uh, 800 uh, people, the first... Round has already happened in the US. Uh, It's going to be happening in other uh, parts of the world, including France, where uh, I was working at Blizzard for a few years back in the day. And um, this is, of course, our main interest there is Blizzard, whom we have a very close relationship to, uh, Blizzard Entertainment. But Blizzard Entertainment is one part of Activision Blizzard that owns Blizzard Entertainment, Activision Publishing, and King, which is a mobile game developer. And all of those are uh, uh, impacted by those lays- layoffs, which Activision Blizzard says is to prepare for a uh, lean year of 2019 where they won't have a huge amount of releases as they're reorganizing uh, v- vast portions of the company, including uh, active, uh, Blizzard Entertainment which hasn't released a new game for three years and is not going to release, it one, uh, uh, release one for this year either. So there's a, a little bit of a gap there for additional uh, uh, big hits of revenue. Um, mm-hmm. All right, so that's the factual aspects of it. Scott, what do you think about all this?
0: Oh, man, you're right about how much we've talked about it. I, I have to scrape my brain and think about <laughs> what I haven't said or have said. I think the bottom line for me Um, and there's so much of the news out there about this thing now that people can get their hands on is that uh, it's actually been a good thing for one aspect of all of this. And that is that it's making people talk about the way uh, current labor laws work, especially here in the United States. It's making people think about public companies and, Oh, you know, exceeding uh, all previous years of profitability yet that's, not enough and so we need to lay off 800 people uh is a strange thing and 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 is good to talk about i know there's a lot to say be said about well they're doing projections and the it's the projections that are causing these layoffs it's what they think the next year or two are going to be like that are causing it because revenue will be down next year like i know there's a lot of complicated stuff going on but i think it's really good for this industry to talk about it um issues uh, potentially, you know, creating um, uh, unions and 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 stuff like that, uh, better protections for workers in this specific industry that is known for its frequent layoffs and its its sort of uh, you know uh, fluidity when it comes to a new game come out and then they lay off the whole team. This is a very common thing in this business, just not that common for Blizzard, Activision to do, and that's why it's such a big deal. But it does feel like a big sort of impetus for everybody to. St- to to take notice and go, all right, what are we doing exactly? Mm. Like, how is this how we're going to do this? And are we not going to, you know, at least can we have the conversation? And I think that's been weirdly the one positive outcome of this, which is often the case of, you know, something bad happens. Everybody is at least forced to to look in the mirror and see what's going on. Um, and I think that's been good and it's some, and it's a sustained conversation. Everybody hasn't just forgotten about it now. um, you know blizzard is in in particular has this this reputation that now feels a little a little rusty in light of this whether whether you know all the facts or not it still looks a little tarnished and so a lot of devoted very devoted fans of 27 plus years uh, in some cases are looking at blizzard in a different light and and that's making probably blizzard go oh crap well we you know what are we doing like there's all kinds of 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 self reflection happening and i and i hope that that turns into something good i guess time will tell if it does or doesn't
1: yeah i think you know it's uh it's funny because uh blizzard actually fired a larger percentage of their uh, uh workforce back in 2012 uh that didn't make as much noise i think the concern uh, for the 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 gaming industry and the the way employees are treated with crunch and all of the, those issues w- weren't as prevalent in the mind of of <laughs> most gamers um i think for me certainly coming from uh europe i look at this and think all right so in this environment you have no unions no labor laws no strong labor laws, no social safety nets, it's really rough to be laid off. So there probably should be something that is looked at there, not necessarily to, you know, like some people like to think, append up, um, the entire system, but at least to rebalance things out a little bit, to get uh, employees at the seat uh, of the conversation when their future is being discussed. Because, Kotick, the president of Activision Blizzard, and all of the executives are doing their job. They're maximizing profits, and that's great. I think the issue is there is the the, the employees are completely ignored in that conversation, and that's a bit uh, a, a bit rough. It, in the case of Blizzard, um, they are getting some significant compensation packages and profit share from the previous year, and uh, assistance to find new jobs. So I don't think unions would have changed a lot of the actual situations for those employees. But in general, in the gaming industry, um, it probably would serve uh, to create a safer, healthier environment for them if there was a a unionization movement, which, by the way, works really well in other countries. I I know a lot of people tend to think of unions as the mafia that will destroy the, 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 the ability to do work. I think that's a little bit uh, uh one-sided of an argument because we have a lot of countries where you have a lot of, you know, either labor laws or uh, unemployment benefits or unions and we still manage to make pretty good video games. So that's yeah. a conversation uh, that is interesting to have on on one end. I, sorry, I completely
0: ahead. agree. There's a lot of complicated history here with uh with unions and it makes people skittish. Um I think that there's no reason why uh, the things that caused problems in unions in the past couldn't be looked at. There's certainly many unionized industries in this country that function absolutely fine and protect their workers and still provide profitability. So I think there's a place for it. The industry is just going to have to really look at itself and decide what it mm-hmm. wants to be. And, I agree. and at, you know, at least have the conversation.
1: I think that's important.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all this stuff we talked about before about you know Microsoft shifting their focus away from having a, a box. <laughs> Uh, and, and others doing a similar thing, uh, is part of this conversation. Like the business is changing from underneath their feet. Part of the reason the massive layoffs happen and all these other profitability uh, problems that the industry as a whole have been having over the last 12 months is because of one game, because of Fortnite and because of a new model, really. And they're having a hard time adapting. So it's going to get weirder before it gets less weird. And, I think all of this is perfect time to start talking about that. You need to, because because this business is shifting in radical ways. It's always been a bit of a shifting radical industry that, that moves in directions. No one thought it would go. So now's the time, especially mm. given the, the, the enormity of it there. It is a, a huge, huge industry now that dwarfs so many others. No one ever thought they would dwarf and they need to, they need to fix themselves or, or at least and, try to gird themselves up for whatever's next.
1: Yeah. And, and it's not just about uh, layoffs. It's also about the working conditions in general. Things like crunch, which is, I'm sure everyone knows what crunch is, is very prevalent in this industry in ways that are extremely unhealthy uh, to, to many employees could be looked at and a lot of things are uh, kind of in a state of chaos which doesn't need to be in order to make great games actually uh, I'm pretty sure a lot of experienced developer will tell you that crunch uh, negatively impacts the development of games because you burn out your most uh, uh, capable and experienced employees who then go do something else instead of staying a- at the company where they can benefit um, the company the most so that's also exactly. a factor so the other aspect of this which i want to touch on briefly is what that means specifically for blizzard entertainment which is one of the biggest publishers one of the biggest developers in the gaming world and that has been receiving a lot of negative feedback over the past year or so Uh, one of them being the well there's been a lot of things but to me and that might be my uh blizzard bias but it looks like blizzard has a problem in the ever-changing world of video games in that their attachment to quality and polish means that they have not released games for four years. They they will be four years without a massive game. And I think that's a problem for any company. If you have a company that doesn't release a product for four years, that's, that's going to be a problem, especially if you're a big company. Um, and while it was acceptable in uh you know the world of video games of 10 years ago when you had one game every quarter that was huge but everything else was kind of forgettable maybe it was working today i'm not sure it is so they they're also hiring 20% uh, uh additional developers to help with developing games and reorganizing their the way they do it so my hope is that they will manage to increase their developing cadence while retaining the quality. This is what I hope, because Blizzard has always been about high-quality games and high-quality experiences with polished gameplay. Um, So I hope they're going to manage to do that. But I think that the Blizzard of all might be responsible for the uh, gamers' dissatisfaction because we haven't seen a new game for so long and we're gamers, we're uh, demanding we want new games and Blizzard isn't delivering, so hopefully they will reorganize and be able to do a little bit more of what we want
0: mm-hmm. I agree 100% they gotta get, and they need to, there's a lot of a lot of that will go a long way to help players sort of remain the faithful legions that Blizzard counts on, so mm. get on it Blizzard <laughs> job for now. All right, that is going to be it for uh, our
1: episode. And I agree, you know, when Diablo 4 is announced, everyone is going to go nuts anyway. So Uh, hopefully this year, hopefully this year is the year. Thank you, Scott, for taking this journey into the world of video games for the month of March. Uh, Where Mm -hmm. would people go if they want more from Scott Johnson?
0: Oh man, all of the things I do at frogpants.com. Uh, They're all there. So if you go there, you'll find all the shows, you'll find the art stuff that's going on, you'll find projects and uh, events and all the fun things that are happening in and around my world at frogpants.com. And uh, if you want to follow my daily musings, which often include a lot of video game discussion, you'll find me on Twitter at Scott Johnson.
1: For me, it's not Patrick on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can find my shows at frenchspin.com, including... Pixels, a show about gaming in general, which you might uh, enjoy if you want to dive a little bit deeper into uh, the the topics we've discussed here. And of course, Daily Tech News Show, which is our parent-sister show, um, which is about daily technology news, which you probably already listen to, but if you're not listening to it yet, uh, go check it out. It's DTNS Daily Tech News Show uh, on uh, the podcast app that you already use. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back in a month. Bye.